perspectives of all of these different animals heading to school for their very first day. And they all have some sort of issue. So Bear feels like he really should be hibernating, and he's very tired. Snake, he's having a really hard time figuring out how to get his backpack to school. <laughs> and Sloth, he's real slow, so it takes him a while to get to the bus stop. And then Bunny, he's got so much energy, he is not sure how he's going to be able to sit still. Perhaps you have some children like that in your class. So when they arrive at school, they all come with this nervous energy, and their teacher is an armadillo, and he's rolled up in a ball because he's also nervous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they all end up finding ways to help compensate for the things that they're not very good at. It's such a beautiful book to talk about community within a classroom, about working together to help each other. Um, our theme from our school last year is one body, all the different parts, and how we all work together to create one body. I think there's a great thing again to talk about God's image, being made in God's image, and I also think there's that anxiety piece. We have a lot of kids these days who are anxious about a lot of things. So this is a way to recognize those fears and worries. Great first day of school book, but it's also a great book for anything, I think. Also the ending, genius. That sloth, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what if Pig, this one is by Lindsay Hunter. Pig is the main character in the book, and he is incredibly kind, fabulously fun, and endlessly generous. He's amazing. Everyone thinks so. Pig decides that he is going to throw a party, but once he does that, he starts warming. That anxiety sets in for him. What if all of the invitations get eaten by a lion? Or worse, what if all the guests get eaten by that same lion? What if it's a blizzard? What if no one comes? Or if, what if they come but have a terrible time at the party? So many things to worry about. And so he decides to cancel the party. His friend Mouse tries to talk some sense into him, takes him for a little walk. And surprise, all of his friends are in the forest giving a party to him instead. And in the end, there's this beautiful page of every animal sharing a little bit of what they're worried about. And so again, it's kind of normalizing that everybody has fears and worries. And what do we do with those as Christians? How do we handle that? Um, I think there's a really good a sense of friendship in this book, too. What do good friends do for each other? More than fluff. This book is by Madeline Valentine, which is a super cool name. This is Daisy. Daisy is a chick, and she is super cute and fluffy, and that's all anybody ever notices about her. But she is more than fluff. She has substance. She. <laughs> She struggles with people wanting to touch her, and pet her, and kiss her, and squeeze her, and hug her, and she does not like that. Something has to change. So she tries a variety of things, including poking people with her beak, and that turns out to not be the best solution. 
So she ends up learning how to use her words and say things like, I don't want a hug right now, but I'll give you a high five instead. So it's alternatives for what to do if you're not a huggy kind of a person. Great book for the beginning of the year or any time of the year when you're talking about personal space. Perfect for that. Speaking of personal space, don't hug Doug. He doesn't like it. It's just not my thing. I love this book. Um, Doug is the main character. He doesn't like hugs. It's just not his thing. He is on a mission to let people know that they should ask before they give up. Because some people just don't like it. Turns out Doug is a high fiver. That's how he likes to greet people. Again, great book to talk about personal space with your students. Be Strong is by Pat Zico Miller. She is a very prolific author. She wrote Sophie Squash, if you remember that one, and then whatever the second Sophie Squash book is. Sophie Squash Goes to School, and she wrote Be Kind, which came out a few years ago, about Tanisha who ends up spilling grape juice on her dress and people trying to help her out. Tanisha makes an appearance in this book as well. She is in gym class, and she has to climb the rock wall. However, her muscles are not very strong, and so she really struggles with it. Because of that challenge for her, she explores different ways that people can be strong. So she looks to her family for different reasons and ways that they can be strong. So she sees that people can be strong by showing up for things or by speaking up for things, not giving up and keeping moving forward. And sometimes being strong means that you have to ask for help. I think this is a great book um, for, first of all, recognizing where our strength comes from. Um, but I think it's also good for building community, working together, being strong in different ways, that idea of one body being made up of many parts. Big Feelings is next. This one is by Alexander Penfold. And this story is, is about a group of neighborhood kids who want to clean up a vacant lot in their neighborhood so that they can play and they can turn it into a playground for themselves. However, everyone has different opinions about how to plan that space and what that space should look like. And so there's some frustration, there's some anger, kids are mad at each other, they rip up people's plans, and in the end, they find ways to navigate those big emotions and they find strategies to help each other and to work through those big feelings and keep on moving so that they can create a finished product. Again, good for working together, building community, navigating those big emotions again. I feel like I've got music in my It's like a movie. <laughs> this next one is Box of Text, and it's by Kim Smith. And it's about a little girl named Meg who goes to a maker school. That's what she does, um, which sounds like a kind of cool school to be part of. And she, her, her gift is to make extraordinary things out of cardboard boxes, and she loves to impress her classmates. She's very good at it. One day, a new kid joins the class, and her name is Simone, and strangely enough, she is also very good at building things out of cardboard boxes. 
Surprisingly, Meg gets a little bit jealous. And they begin this kind of secret competition with each other and try to outdo each other all the time. At the end of the school year, they have something called a maker match. And wouldn't you know it, she and Simone have to partner together to create something amazing out of cardboard boxes. Well, it doesn't go very well. They argue. They end up building their own things, but try to hook them together. Doesn't really work very well. And there's a disaster that happens. And they end up trying to work together in the end. And they are able to finish the, pro the project. And spoiler alert, they don't win the Baker match, which I actually really appreciate. They get six points, I think, in the competition. But this is a great book for when you're talking about STEM, if you've, you've got some projects that you're working on. I know when I taught first grade, man, those kids, they still want to do their idea. And sometimes it doesn't mesh well in a group. So it's a great book for talking about working together and working as a team. Jabari Tries is kind of in that same theme. Um, this book is by Jaya Cornwall. And she also wrote Jabari Jumps. A few years ago, that one was on my list. Love that book, too. Um, this one's not quite as good, but it has a great message. Uh, Jabari is working on making a flying machine in this story. And he thinks it's going to be super easy. And he doesn't want anybody's help. So he works on this flying machine. His sister keeps trying to butt in and help. His dad offers some advice, but he doesn't want that. He wants to do it by himself. He ends up getting super frustrated because everything he's trying isn't working. And he gets really upset and cries and gets angry. And his dad needs to intervene and give him some strategies for just calming down. And it ends up that his sister actually gives him the idea to make his flying machine better and to actually work. And so he does eventually make the machine fly in the end. So this book is great for talking about STEM again, that perseverance theme, working through challenges to make something good, um, and allowing other people to help you sometimes when you need help. The Suitcase. This book is by Chris Naylor Ballesteros, and it's a group of animals that is surprised one day when a stranger comes to their area carrying a suitcase. And boy, are they curious. They want to know where he came from, what he's doing, what's in that suitcase you're carrying. And the answers that the stranger is giving do not seem to line up with what they see. So he's saying that in his suitcase, he's got a big table and a chair and teacups. And they all think that that stuff can't fit in that suitcase. And so while the stranger is asleep because he's very weary from his traveling, they break open his suitcase to see what's written inside. And they are surprised to find out that in some form, that stuff really is in the suitcase. And then they feel really bad. And the rest of the story is them trying to figure out how to apologize and also how to mend a broken relationship. I think this book could be used at a lot of different levels. I think you could use this book in high school. Um, let's talk about things like truth versus perception. Um, 
And then the themes of kindness, trust, and loving others come out very strongly in this book.
First they have some bossy and noisy blue jays moving into the neighborhood. And they say, those blue jays don't belong here. There goes the neighborhood. And then chipmunks come. And they steal acorns and have crying babies. They don't belong here. And then there's beavers. Well, they destroy the trees that they're living in. They don't belong in this neighborhood. But Zeke, actually, is pretty excited because he has some new friends. <laughs> Finally, his parents decide that they don't belong in this neighborhood anymore, so they decide to leave. They move. They cross the river on a log and make their way over to a new neighborhood, a new tree. And as they're sitting there, Zeke starts to miss his friends. He can see them from across the river, but he doesn't get to spend time with them. So one night, he decides that he is going to go back. On the way, there's a storm, and Zeke gets into some trouble. His parents come and find him, but they also get into some trouble. And wouldn't you know it, those blue jays and those chipmunks and those beavers, guess what they do? They help. And in the end, it turns out that Mom and Pop's world realized that it's actually okay to have some neighbors who are different from you. And they end up moving back to their little oak tree on Forest Lane. I think throughout this book, you can have some great discussions about what's going on. Who belongs? What does that look like? What does a community look like? Lots of really good questions for that book. Negative cat by Sophie Blackhawk. If you have a cat, you might have one that's negative. <laughs> the narrator in the story um, is a little boy, and for 400 and some days, he's been asking every day for a cat. He's been asking his parents, and they always say no until one day they finally say yes, you may have a cat. But they have several conditions, and one of those conditions is that the boy in the story has to read at least 20 minutes every day. Well, that does not sound fun to this little boy. He is not good at reading. He's really slow, and kids at school make fun of him because he's not a good reader. But he really wants a cat. And so he agrees to clean his room, to write a letter to his grandma, and to read for 20 minutes every day. So they go to the shelter, and they find Max. Max is just the one. There's so many cats there, but Max is the one. So they take Max home, and Max doesn't do anything. He stares at the wall. He doesn't come when you call him. No cats do, really. And he's pretty naughty sometimes. He leaves deposits in different areas. They're unacceptable. And after a while, the whole family is mad at Max the cat, but also at the little boy, because he is not keeping up his end of the bargain. He's not cleaning his room. He hasn't written a letter to his grandma. And he hasn't been reading, like he said he would. And so they call the lady from the shelter and tell her to come and get the cat back. Unbelievable. So she comes, and they are looking all over for the boy. They can't find him anywhere. Well, he is in his super clean room reading on the floor. Wouldn't you, <laughs> wouldn't you know it? And as he starts to read the story, 
Max the cat comes from the other side of the classroom, gets a little closer, a little closer. Max the cat loves to read. And so they form this little partnership, and it turns out Max is the thing that helps this little boy love reading. So this was a little bit of a stretch, but you could use it tie it into learning how to read, reading with a partner, a little bit of a stretch, but it's a cute book. My very favorite book in the whole wide world. This book is by Malcolm Mitchell, who is a Super Bowl winner. He played for the New England Patriots. For those of you who know me, I have to look that up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so he's a Super Bowl winner, super cool guy, and he's also a literacy crusader, that's what he calls himself. This book is the true story of his life as a reader, and he tells his own story in the front of the book, um, but he makes up a few details in the actual story. So Henley is in this book. He has some trouble with reading. It's really hard, it's not a lot of fun. And so his teacher gives an assignment where they have to find their very favorite book in the whole wide world, and they have to share it with their classmates the next day. Well, Henley doesn't have one of those. He's not a reader. He doesn't love reading. So he is struggling to find a book to share and to complete his assignment. He tries going to the library. Library tries to help in every way he can, but it's just not working. He stops at the local bookstore. No line there either. He just can't find a book that he really loves. So he ends up going home, and his mom tells him that your very favorite story is probably right inside of you. And so he ends up writing his own story about his journey to find his very favorite book in the whole wide world. He writes it, and then he brings that to class, and that's what he ends up sharing. Again, a great book for talking about reading, the struggles of reading, and how you can overcome those. This one is pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> how to apologize for David Lauder Show. <laughs> this is a great book. It's a very handy guidebook for making an apology, which I'm sure you can all use. Um, what I love about this book is it handles it with a lot of humor, so it's really funny. Um, but it gives examples of how to apologize, but it also gives examples of how not to apologize. And that's where the funny part comes in. It just gives a lot of different ways for kids to say they're sorry, and how to do it with some, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Sincerity, thank you. <laughs> I think this is a great book for setting up community in the classroom, learning how to deal with issues, making things right when they're broken. And look at that. We are up to our next section, kindness and friendship. Um, as we learned from our worship session this morning, the world is like on fire right now. So a lot of authors are responding to that by writing books about kindness. Um, I think that theme has been really evident in the last couple of years in the new picture books that are coming out. So I'm excited to share some of these with you. I don't like the cover of this book, but this book is incredible. I don't know why. I just don't like it. It doesn't make me say, I'd like to pick that book up and read it. But I did read it. And it's really good. So <laughs> it's called The Perfectly Perfect Wish. It's by Lisa Manchup. Um, the narrator in this book is a little girl. She finds something shiny. It's almost like a coin. 
she finds in the grass at her bus stop. And it says, no wishing for more wishes. And so she realizes that it's a coin for one wish and only one wish. And she feels a lot of pressure. What is she going to wish for? So she starts asking some friends of hers what they would wish for if they had this opportunity. And honestly, when I first read this book, and I think MJ, we read this book together the first time, there was some part of me that was like, wow, this little girl is really entitled. <laughs> and it made me a little bit angry. Um, because she asked one friend, and that friend says, I would wish for a puppy. And she says, yeah, I already have two dogs and a cat. And then another person she talks to wishes for a house. And she says, I have a very nice house. I even have my own room. And then another person says, I wish my daddy would come home safe. And she says, I don't have to worry that big worry. My daddy is a dentist. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> I don't love that. Um, but it turns out at the end that if you reread it again, she's not really being that way. Um, what she ends up doing is for her one wish, she wishes that everyone gets their wishes. And you see in the end, all of these people getting the wishes that they had suggested. It's actually a beautiful book about sacrifice and putting others first. I think because of the way she responds to her friends, I think you could have some really great discussions about what that looks like and how that comes off. Um, fascinating book. Really like that one a lot. The Power of One is by Trudy Ludwig. You might know um, The Invisible Boy. That is a book by Trudy Ludwig. This one has a theme of kindness in it as well. Um, in this book, the theme really is planting seeds of kindness. And that one little small act of something really does make a difference. And it can start a chain reaction of kindnesses. And in the book, it just suggests so many tiny little ways that you can make a difference in your world. So I think this is a great book to talk about kindness, great book to talk about forgiveness, because in the beginning of the book, something happens that needs to be forgiven. And there's also a note from the author in the back about where this story came from. It's a beautiful book. I Can Help by Reem Faruqi is about a girl named Zara, and she loves to volunteer to help out a boy in her class named Kyle. Now Kyle is really creative, he's really funny, he's really generous, but man, he needs some help sometimes. And he needs some help getting his work done a lot of the times. Perhaps you have a Kyle in your class this year. Um, so when the teacher asks, who would like to help out Kyle today? Zara loves to volunteer. She really likes him. They get along really well. They play together in the playground. They're good friends. But one day, a couple of the girls in her class make fun of her because she is helping him. And they call him a baby, and they say that. She, they don't understand why she is helping him. And so because of that, she ends up making some choices later on in the story that she regrets. And Kyle doesn't understand why suddenly Zara doesn't want to talk to him anymore, doesn't want to help him anymore. And she ends up regretting her decision 
And in the story, Zara is suddenly in a new school, which is actually explained in the back. Excuse me. In the back of the book, it's explained her own story. It's kind of based on her own story, how she suddenly needed to change schools. And she never had a chance to apologize to Kyle, and she never had a chance to make it right. And it kind of reminds me just a little bit about um, Each Kindness by Jacqueline Woodson. It would be a good connection to that book because there's no resolution to that mistake. Um, and so she does end up, though, in her new school, um, finding somebody that needs some help. And so she ends up helping that person, but she never makes it right with Kyle, which is tricky. Um, I think this book could have some great discussion. You could talk about peer pressure and its effects. Uh, talk about kindness. Talk about how all kids are different and need different things. Um, and again, there's a, there's a cool note in the back of the book from Reem Ferdy who shares her story about where this story came from. Norman didn't do it. Yes, he did. <laughs> this book is by Ryan T. Higgins, who writes the Bruce books, maybe you know Mother Bruce. Uh, Norman didn't do it. Norman is a porcupine, and he is best friend with Mabel, the tree. And they do everything together, and their life is perfect. They have so much fun together, me and Mabel. Until a new sapling starts growing between them. There's a lot of jealousy and a lot of worrying about what if I'm not the favorite anymore? And so Norman makes a plan and he digs up the tree, the new sapling, and he moves it far, far away and replants it in a whole different place. And the rest of the story is about him realizing that, oops, maybe that wasn't the best idea. And he has to find a way to make it right. This book is a typical Ryan T. Higgins book, so it's got a lot of speech bubbles in it, a lot of humor, the ending is incredible, and it's filled with good themes of truth, empathy, and doing the right thing. All right, This Way, Charlie. This book is by Karen Levis. If you remember, several years ago, I talked about a book called Ida Always, about polar bears. Maybe you remember that one, maybe cry. Um, this book is by the same creators, so author and illustrator. This book is about a place called Open Bud Ranch, and this is a place for animals who need a safe and caring place to live. Um, and Jack the Goat lives there, and he actually really likes having his own space. And suddenly, Charlie the Horse arrives, and Charlie is blind, actually. He is not able to see out of one of his eyes. And so Jack realizes that, and he moves out of his own personal space to help Charlie. He befriends Charlie and helps him get around and explore the open bud ranch, and they get along swimmingly until they don't. They have a terrible misunderstanding, and they end up fighting. And they decide to part ways and not be friends anymore. Well, of course, a storm comes up, because that's always a thing, right? The <laughs> storm comes up, Charlie's in trouble. And by this point in the story, he can't see anything out of either eye. 
And so Jack rounds up the troops, rounds up the caretaker and all the other animals, and they go find a way to help Charlie. This book is actually inspired by a real-life story. The author's note is in the back of the book, talking about where this story came from. And I think there's a really beautiful opportunity here to talk to kids about what does friendship entail? What does that look like? What do you do when your friendship goes south? How do you fix that? Okay, as I say every year when I introduce a book in Spanish, I took German in high school. <laughs> Isabel and her colores went to school. <laughs> this book is by Alexandra Alessandri, and this book is about Isabel, who is getting ready to start at a brand new school, and she does not speak much English, and her anxiety about that is sky high. She sees the Spanish words that she is used to in colors, so she sees them as being pinks and yellows and purples, and she sees the colors of English to be stormy blues and blizzard whites. On her first day, she goes to school, and she has a really hard time because she doesn't know what anybody is saying. She understands a couple of things, and she's able to follow along because she's watching the other kids. Um, but it has some ups and downs, and she accidentally hurts somebody's feelings because she doesn't know what they're saying to her, and she doesn't know how to respond. In the end, though, she has an opportunity to make things right with her crayons, her colors. And she ends up making a friend. So this book is great for English language learners, great for Spanish classes. Um, what's really cool about this book is each page has the English words, but then they're also in a bubble in Spanish completely. So you can read the story both ways. The English part actually has um, Spanish words sprinkled into it too, but it's very easy to tell what they are and figure out the context and things like that. There is a translation in the back of the book for the Spanish words that are used. Great old book. Thank you. How many books are you? Okay. <laughs> Little Bat in Night School by Brian Lawrence. Little Bat very excited for the first day of school. Again, just like the last book, the first day has its ups and downs. He finds a friend, though, in class, and it's not another bat. It's an apostle. And they actually end up coming together as a classroom community in the first day of school. And he is excited to come back the next day. This is a great, day for the great book for the first day of school. Great book about building community. Great book, again, about talking about what makes a friend. I don't know if you guys will like it, but I think it's so cute. It's called My Best Friend. It has no capital letters in it anywhere. And it has one period at the end. So it's like the running talk of a child. And it is about a little girl who finds a friend in the park. And they do all kinds of fun things together and have so much fun. And it's quite clear through the whole story that they are absolute best friends. Except in the end, she says, maybe tomorrow I will figure out what her name is. <laughs> so cute. Again, you can talk about what makes a friend. What does a friend look like? Okay, speeding up here a little bit. Snail Crossing, I love this book. Um, in this book, Snail realizes that right across the road, there is a plump, crisp cabbage. 
fun about this one is the reader can see the trail that the snail leaves as it walks, slides <laughs> across the street. And he's got some rough challenges to face. There's a rainstorm, there's some angry ants, but they end up making friends. There's a hungry crow in the way, and he has to do some evasive maneuvers to get out of the way. And he ends up turning himself around and goes back to where he started from. And you can see his little trail going over here and then around and around and right back where he started. So he doesn't quite make it to the cabbage. But those new aunt friends of his are there to help. This is a story of determination, and friendship. It's also incredibly funny. And it's very clever. And the vocabulary used in it is, is really cool. It's a good book. Be okay. <laughs> this book was sitting up on my shelf for a while this past year. <laughs> Just as a reminder, it will be okay. <laughs> it will. <laughs> this book is about giraffe and zebra. They are friends, and every day, every afternoon, they walk to the watering hole together. But one day, zebra comes along, and giraffe is nowhere to be found. He's actually up in a tree, which that seems really difficult to do for a giraffe, I would think. Giraffe has seen a spider, and he is scared to death. So he climbs the tree, and Zebra comes along and says, why are you in a tree? That spider's just really tiny. Your, your eyelashes are bigger than the spider. Why are you so worried? But Giraffe is worried, and there's nothing that he can do to get out of that tree. And so, so instead of leaving, the Zebra ends up staying at the bottom of the tree, until Giraffe is ready to come down. It's a great book about empathy. It's a great book about friendship and kindness. And again, what does friendship look like? What are some things that you see when you are a friend of someone? <laughs> Informational, kind of. Except Antarctica, which I think, this one was on back order, Joanna from Bookbub said, so I don't know if this one is available at the Bookbub store today. Um, this book is by Todd Sturgill, and it's actually written in the style of a documentary, sort of. So the narrator is like a documentary person. I, you know what I mean. Um, the only trouble with it is that the animals actually talk back to the narrator. So it starts out with this turtle, and he is just walking along, and he hears the documentary. I'll just say that. He hears the narrator say that turtles are found in every continent except Antarctica. And the turtle says, no way, that's not true. And so he goes on this personal mission to go to Antarctica. And along the way, the narrator keeps talking about all these other animals that they spot. There's an owl. <laughs> They don't belong in Antarctica, but the owl thinks that it should. So it joins the turtle, and there's a whole line of animals that end up traveling to Antarctica together because they feel like they should be there. So this book is mostly funny, but there are some scattered facts in it about Antarctica and also several pages of facts in the back um, and some extra information. Whale Fall Cafe. This book is fascinating. Um, Dr. Fish is the narrator, and he is on a journey to the very deep waters of the ocean. And in this book, you discover what happens to a whale carcass as it floats 
sinks, sinks down to the bottom of the ocean floor. And it's a really fascinating look at the creatures that live on the ocean floor and how that whale carcass gets eaten. It's, it sounds better than it is. And so there's a little 
um, guessing game that goes on on each page. And if you look at the illustrations closely, there's a whole other set of stories going on in the pictures. So that one's really fun. This is one you could read multiple times and get a kick out of it every time. Watercress. This book is about a Chinese-American family that is driving through Ohio when the parents spot watercress, um, which is a memory for them from when they lived in China, that's growing in a ditch along the road. They stop, and the kids are asked to help pick some watercress to eat later with their dinner. The girl in the story who's telling the story is embarrassed. She is ashamed of her family and wonders why they can't just be a normal family and just eat food from the grocery store. Um, and at dinner, she doesn't want to try any of the watercress. But her mom ends up sharing a story from their lives in China. And it actually ends up changing the perspective of the girl. And she ends up trying it and giving it a try. This book is great for discussion about different perspectives. Um, and again, this book has notes from the author and illustrator in the back. Kind of sharing where the idea for the story came from. Hike. This story is a wordless book, actually, almost entirely wordless. This book is about a story of a father and a son who go on a hike in the mountains, and along the way they've got some challenges to face, and they also end up planting a tree while they're there. And when they get home, they end up adding some pictures of their time to their family photo album. It's a very simple story. I think it would be a great example for like a small moment story, or it would be a good book for making connections with, because it's such a common, common kind of story about hiking in the mountains and traveling through nature. Lift by Min Lei and illustrated by Dan Santac. Pictures are incredible in this book. Um, Iris tells the story in this book of how she loves to push the elevator buttons in her apartment building, but her little brother ends up taking over this task and she is really annoyed by that because this is her job. She finds a disconnected elevator button in the hallway because someone is working on a broken elevator and so she takes it and she puts it in her bedroom, attaches it to the wall, and when she pushes it, it opens up this world for her so she can explore and use her imagination. The question is, will she let her little brother come and explore as well? Great book. It's just a good story. You could talk about siblings and sibling rivalry and things like that. Blueberry cake. In this book, this is another very simple book, great for beginning readers. It has very few words in it. In this book, a little bear wants his mother to make a blueberry cake, and so she sends him out to gather the blueberries for it. However, he gets very distracted, and things don't go as planned, and he comes home with an empty pail. And so, no blueberry cake. He goes to bed that night, and he's missing it. He wishes he had it. And so early the next morning, he has a surprise for his mother. He's gone and picked a whole bucket full of blueberries for her to make the blueberry cake. Great for younger readers. I don't even know how to explain this book. Um, it's hilarious. It's incredible. It's Jen Plasson, so it's like the I want my hat back guy. You, you know these, these stories. Um, this one's hard to summarize, but it's just really a series of conversations between animals and a variety of bad things happen to them. The ending is really good. <laughs> it's divided into five chapters, but it has really simple sight words 
so I think even probably first or second graders could read this with no problem. Great book. You need to check it out for sure. Brenda is a sheep. Spoiler alert, she's not. She's not a sheep. Um, Brenda is cleverly disguising herself as a sheep, and the sheep have no idea. They think Brenda is the best. They love her. They carry signs. Brenda is the best. We love Brenda. Um, and she tries so many times to catch them and eat them, and they just are too fast for her. And they are so friendly that she just can't eat them. And <laughs> they end up having Brenda turn into a friend. It's just funny. There's, there's no redeeming qualities to this one. It's just a funny book. Tiny Barbarian by Amy Dykeman. Amy Dykeman has written some fantastic books. This is another really good one. Tiny is using his imagination to be a barbarian. And he has already conquered several things in his home and in his yard. But there's one thing in this book that is still very tricky for him to conquer, and that is the dark. So this is a cute story about using your imagination. It also has a lot of humor in it as well. I don't always talk about sequels to books, like the Bruce books. But when I do, it's because it's a really good one. The Bruce Slot by Ryan T. Higgins. Um, Bruce is a bear that doesn't like to have fun. Perhaps you remember him from other stories. Um, but the mice are secretly wishing for more fun. And the geese are wishing for more snacks. Without the mice knowing, Bruce ends up leaving for a getaway. And without the mice knowing, Bruce's fun cousin Kevin arrives, and they look exactly alike. alike. And Kevin is so fun. And the mice love him at first, and they think it's Bruce, but it's like fun Bruce. But they think he's calling himself Kevin. It's very confusing. Um, and after a while, all that fun just turns out to be not so much fun anymore. And they end up missing their grumpy old friend, Bruce. This book is so funny. I think you will really enjoy this one. It Fell from the Sky. This is another one. I can't do it justice. You need to read this book. It's just incredible. Um, so much depth to this book. And I actually watched MJ read it to some second graders. And the stuff that they pulled out of this book was incredible. To summarize it simply, something amazing in the marble falls from the sky down into a garden, and all of the insects in the garden just think it's amazing and incredible. There's a spider in the book that claims that it is his, and he decides to take leaves as payment for the other insects to see this wonder. And he acts quite selfishly through the story. But when no one is around anymore, he realizes that his actions were not so great. And so when new wonders start falling from the sky, the spider has another chance to make the wonders the center of attention and not himself. Great book. Good discussion. Okay, we got two more. We can do this. What Can You Do With a Rock by Pat Zebo Miller? This book is really an informational kind of book, um, but it's a new release, so it ended up on this list. Um, the theme of this book is that rocks are simple, but you can do a whole lot with them. So you can skip them, you can sort them, you can study them, collect them, share them with others. And again, there's some information in the back about rocks. One last book, Inside Cat by Brendan Wenzel. Maybe you remember They All Saw a Cat from several years ago. 
This one has a similar theme about looking at different perspectives or seeing things from different perspectives. Throughout this book, we see the perspective of an inside cat and its idea of what is going on outside the windows of the house that it lives in. Um, and by the end of the book, you might think that that inside cat knows everything about what's going on outside of their house. But it turns out, it steps outside at the end and realizes nothing is quite what it seems from inside the house. Beautiful book. This book is genius. Illustrations are super key in this book, and you really need to take a look at them. I didn't see stuff until the third time I read it. It's, it's that woman. I think, again, you can have great discussion about perspectives and things like that. So, we made it to the end. Thank you for coming. I do have four books to give away. And the first one, Norman didn't do it. Yes, he did. Goes to Kim, right over there. Kim, Kim let me go in front of her in the bathroom a little while ago. Money to buy a book at Book Club. 